I invite you to stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 and following. At the end, I'm going to say the Gospel of the Lord, and your reply is going to be, Praise to you, O Christ. Luke 24. Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Many of you might not know this, but on Monday through Thursday, we have an after-school tutoring program. And here we have children who come in, and they learn, they basically do their, math, or they do their homework. They have help with math and English, and, and Steve Bird is their teacher. We're always looking for math teachers, so math teachers out there, anyone who knows algebra, we're always in need of that. Um, but they gather here. And it's a wonderful group of kids. There's right now one class of 10 children. And of the 10 children, eight of them are Buddhist. And one of the kids asked me this last week, he said, Pastor Russ, I said, yes, David. And he said, what do pastors do? And I sat there, I go, what in the world do we do? And I was thinking, I'm going, what do I tell them? What do I tell them? I know most of you think all I do is show up on Sunday and, and that's it. But I finally said to him, David, I said, this is what pastors do. They tell people about Jesus. And he said, he's a young kid, he said, cool. He said, will you tell me about Jesus? And I said, you better believe it. So pray for David, because his heart is opening. Pray for Steve, because Steve has been ministering to them in a wonderful way. In our reading from Luke 24, Jesus calls his disciples together, and he basically explains to them what they're to do. He calls them and says, you're going to be my witness. Listen to chapter 24 again, verses 45 through, or 46 through 48. Jesus told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. In other words, guess what your job is? Your job is going to be to tell the world about Jesus, about his death and resurrection. That's who you are, disciples. And I can say today, that's what you are, all of you Christians. You are his witnesses. That's the bottom line. Now, you're many things in this world. 
Some of you are fathers, some of you are mothers, brothers, sisters, you have jobs, you, have met, you are many things. But for a Christian, the bottom line of who you are is what Jesus says you are. And he says, you are witnesses. That's who you are. I don't know if you knew that about yourself, but you are witnesses of Jesus. Now, I like this, and there's so, this is such a gracious word, because most of us think that we have to be so much more than a witness. Most of us think that we have to be some spiritual giant or some spiritual guru or this perfect Christian to the world. That's not what Jesus says. He simply says, you are witnesses. When I was in seminary, I thought to myself, I'm going to be a pastor, so I better do the spiritual things that pastors do. And so I decided every year I went on a retreat, and it was a different kind of retreat. My first year I did the charismatic retreat. And so I went with a bunch of um, Lutherans for Renewal, ARC people, and we went and, and we went to this farmhouse, and we read scripture, we played board games, we had our quiet times, we even got moved in the spirit and danced with tambourines and flags and banners. You don't ever want to see me dance with a tambourine or a flag. Not a pretty sight. But that was my first year. My second year, I decided to sign up to do the retreat, which was group meditation. And we would, for a period of a day, gather at different times to be quiet and listen to God's word and just sort of meditate together. Well, I fell asleep every single meditation session. In fact, one time I started snoring and they asked me to leave until the next one. That was year two. The third year, my last year there, I went on the silent retreat. So I spent the weekend where you are with a group of people and you don't speak. You just simply exist along with them as again, cabin, Minnesota, and everything was fine until that first day in the afternoon and we we're playing frisbee because you can do anything you want you just can't talk and so we we're playing frisbee and i i threw it to my friend who's athletic and he's like goofing off a little bit and he ran right into a tree silence was broken and it was because i was laughing so hard he was okay i just laughed it was the funniest thing in the world and here i can't say anything and i just laugh and so i have to walk to the woods all by myself and laugh because i couldn't handle this quiet in fact i went to the many times to that spot and just talked out loud because i just had to say something shocker i know <laughs> but here i went on three spiritual quests Three places to be that holy spiritual guru, to be that pastor who's so reverent, who has spiritual gems to just pass out. And I know we all do this in different ways, but Jesus doesn't ask of us in the passage. He doesn't say, you are going to be my spiritual giants. He doesn't say, you're going to be my holy roller. He simply says, you are my witness. That's it. That's who you are. You are his witness. There's a wonderful painting of the crucifixion by an artist named Grunwald. And many of you have probably seen this. There's a, it's a picture of Jesus, and it takes the center stage, you know, of the picture. It's Jesus on the cross. 
But then in the, the little corner is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus. And he has his fingers accentuated, so it looks like this is his job. He's pointing to Jesus. And then there's a Latin phrase above John that says basically those words, he, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. John was a witness. That's what he was about. He was not a spiritual giant. He wasn't giving pearls of wisdom out to the world. He was simply saying, it's Jesus. He was a witness of Jesus. In fact, you don't really want to trust spiritual gurus because spiritual gurus don't talk about other people. They talk about themselves and they talk about their procedures, their insights, their wisdom on how you can get enlightenment. Jesus doesn't want spiritual gurus. He wants witnesses who speak of Jesus. You are witnesses, it says, Jesus says, of these things. Now, what are these things that Jesus is talking about? Well, three times in chapter 24 of Luke, we hear the same message. It's about the death and resurrection of Jesus. So let me read these words. The first time occurs in chapter 24, verse 5, where the women come to the tomb, and there they are, and the angels are there, and this is what the angels say. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Okay, so Jesus had to die and be raised on the third day. Later in the same chapter, we find the disciples walking with Jesus to the road of Emmaus. Same chapter. Do they recognize Jesus? No. And so they start talking to, to Jesus. This is how faithful those disciples are. Jesus is right in front of their face and they don't even recognize him. But Jesus then says these words in chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. Jesus said to them, How foolish are you, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And now, the very end of this chapter, the words I read to you, Jesus said to them in verse 44 and following, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled. It must happen. That is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Okay, so the point is, three separate times in chapter 24, the big main point is, Jesus saying, the angel saying, he's saying, the Son of God must die and, must, and then will be raised from the dead. That's it. That's the message. That's what you're witnesses of. It's as simple as that. It's not about being a spiritual guru. It's not about being a spiritual giant. It's not about being a holy roller. You are simply a witness. You are like John the Baptist with his finger pointing to Jesus, and he said, this man died, he rose from the dead. And we might add, and he's coming again. That's it. That's the message. That's the good news. 
That's what the disciples spoke to the ends of the earth that turned the world upside down. But think of those words for a minute. Think of how the implications of those words. I mean, first, Luke has to write it three times because I'm convinced he's writing to Lutherans. It takes us a few times to get it. It's only after the third time that we might say this is most certainly true. But it's more than that. You are witnesses of my death. Those disciples are witnesses, aren't they? They're the ones who denied Jesus. And what about the religious leaders? What did they do? They hatched the plan. Well, what about the early church who first wrote, listened to these words, the, one, the early church in Jerusalem? They are witnesses too, weren't they? They're the ones who yelled, crucify, crucify. Are we any better? We too are witnesses of his death. We too have our hand in Jesus' death. We too are guilty. As that old hymn, and I'll ask you to name the hymn at the end if you can know the name. That old hymn, verse 2, says this. Who was the guilty? Who brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason, Jesus has undone thee. Twas I, Lord Jesus, I it was denied thee. I crucified thee. What hymn was that? All holy or all dearest Jesus. 123 in your hymnal. You are witnesses of his crucifixion. Why? Because you're guilty of killing Jesus. You and I and the disciples and the world, the crowd and the religious leaders. No wonder Jesus and God doesn't want spiritual leaders. What did they do? They, in their wisdom, killed Jesus. He doesn't want that. He just simply wants witnesses to say, guess what? We're all guilty. All of us, every one of you, every one of you, including myself, guilty of killing Jesus. But you're witnesses of more than just that. Because if you were only witnesses of, of your guilt, what would you do if you were such a witness? Cover it up. <laughs> I mean, if, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, Peter would not have told a soul about denying Jesus three times. No one would have heard. They would have just all said, Jesus who? But God raised Jesus. You're witnesses of his death and his resurrection. You're witnesses of the fact that when humanity did its worst, God was at his best. God turned the tables. Jesus forgave from the cross. Jesus brought life out of the tomb. Jesus restored his disciples. I mean, think of this, this very passage and what's happening. Jesus is bringing before him the very ones who denied him, and he says, you, you are my witnesses. You are the witnesses, yes, of my death, but you are my witness of the resurrection. Why? Because I love you. I forgive you. I've always wanted to forgive you. In fact, all the way back to the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, the whole Bible has been about that one great message. Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden, and God has done everything, everything to bring them back, everything to restore them, everything to bring life out of death, everything to make them new. That's the whole purpose. And Jesus is saying, you are witnesses of those things. You are to tell the world that God forgives them. You're to tell the world that God has forgiven them. There's a, a person I know 
who went to church a little bit in his childhood, a little bit as a young man, and he never heard these words. He went to church and he heard condemnation, he heard rules, he heard five ways to have a better marriage or whatever, but he never heard the words that God loves him, that God forgives him. It wasn't until he actually read through the Bible that he actually could hear, this is what Christianity is about? That God loves me? That God's forgiven me? And this like, why didn't anyone tell me? Why didn't anyone tell me? Why did the pastor talk about stewardship and not about this? This is so much more important. The forgiveness of sins, why, why, why? You can see, I mean, he's just angry. It's like, why? And yet that's what the whole world thinks about. My confirmation kids ask me, they go, Pastor, why is it that sinners love Jesus, but no sinners come to church? And I wouldn't say, well, you don't know him as well as I do. <laughs> but they said, they went on and said, the religious leaders, though, they don't like Jesus. And I said, the religious leaders are the ones keeping the sinners away. Sinners love Jesus because he has forgiveness for them. You are witnesses of these things. You're witnesses of, yes, death, but resurrection. I'm convinced the church on earth, the church in America is weak, not because we don't have more rules. We have more rules than we know what to do with. We have more morals today than the early church ever had. And that's saying something. Because we don't have that many, but... But what's not being told, what's not being proclaimed, what's not being heralded is the very thing that we're created to be. Jesus died, Jesus rose. You're forgiven. That's what the world's dying to hear. So I was dying to hear at age 17. So we come back, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And Jesus knows why this is such a hard task that he gives the Holy Spirit to his disciples to give them confidence to stand before kings, stand before authorities, stand before crowds and say, Jesus died, you're guilty, but he rose from the dead and you are forgiven. Come and be baptized. In my name, Jesus' name, for the forgiveness of sins. And the church exploded. Oh, Reformation and friends and guests, anyone who's here, hear the good news. You are forgiven. Hear the good news. In the mercy of Almighty God, your sins are forgiven. In the mercy of Almighty God, the things you didn't do and you should have are forgiven. In the mercy of Almighty God, the things that you know you shouldn't have did and you did anyway, you're forgiven. In the mercy of Almighty God, every sin you've committed and every sin that you will commit, forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. And the best thing, amen to that. And the best thing you can do is husbands, share that with your wives. And wives, share that with your husband. James Nessigan, who's preaching, says every morning they get up and they look at each other and the first thing they say is, you're forgiven. Why? Because they've only spent 10 minutes awake, but they know they need to forgive each other. Boy, what would happen if we actually said that to our neighbors? You're forgiven in the mercy of Almighty God. The Holy Spirit would take those words, fill those words, and do something. Might just make a new you or a new you out of your spouse. So here again, in the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. You are 
forgiven. Amen. Amen. You are his witness in Jesus' name. Amen.